Hey, it's Cole. Welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur Podcast, where every week we talk about how you, you can bring, can bring your, your creative, creative dreams, dreams to life. life. My, My name, name is Adam. Cole. Welcome to this week's episode. Hey, Adam. I hope you guys liked that uh, little duet we did there. Oh. But I thought we'd mix it up. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Yeah, anytime, you know. Part of art is mixing it up. Last week, we started the episode with me asking you how you were. Right. And you use no emotional language. So I'm wondering if this week you can tell me how you feel. I feel grateful. Oh, good. Is I've that been partly ju- because... I've been journaling. Yeah. I'm on day 10 now. And you're you're in that app that you mentioned. What was One it called? day. One day. And it's the best. Yeah. I'm really I'm glad that you've it. kept up with it. You've kept up with it? It's a, Yeah. It's a good way to end the night. It's the last thing I do before I put my phone down for the night and uh-huh. just turn off notifications. So it's been a good good way to reflect before I go to sleep. Love that. Um, but congratulations to you for keeping up with that. Thank you. It's I have a better streak on that than on my fitness pal, if that means anything to anybody. But uh, this week, you know, art art is art. It's creative. It's fun. But we're doing a little bit of a business episode, which oh. I tend to be the one to write those. So if that says You're anything a about me, professional. then uh, yeah. And this week, we're going to be talking about how artists can close more deals. Because at the end of the day, being a full-time artist requires closing deals for commissions. It requires booking shows. It includes selling your art. Exactly. It includes signing record contracts. It includes... Being a movie star. Being a movie star, signing a contract for that, signing a contract with your agent. It includes... Signing contracts for venues. If you don't close, you starve. If you don't close, you starve. Or, you know, you have to get that that old job back. So Mm. we're going to talk about how artists can close more deals. And the first one that we're going to talk about is understanding your pricing model. So one important aspect of closing deals is being able to provide a somewhat accurate price for a project. This is so difficult. Somewhat quickly. And it is difficult. And the reason is because every project is going to be different and there's going to be different things that it requires you to buy, to do there's travel. There's all sorts of stuff. All right. Let me ask you this. When you owned your own recording studio at a location and full time, you were bringing bands in there. Right. How often did you do the same amount of work for thousands of dollars in difference. Oh gosh. Pretty consistently. Right. But so in that that using that as an example, how are we answering this question when even you are teacher today? Right. Existed in an environment where you would record a five song EP and sometimes charge somebody two thousand dollars and sometimes charge somebody ten thousand dollars. Well, the short answer is you have to have some kind of formula, some kind of day rate some kind of something to start with. Okay. So you can make valuations. You can say, all right, this client is going to need X, Y, Z. Obviously, if I'm producing an acoustic EP, that's going to take a lot less work than a full band, 10-piece band, or whatever it is. But having some kind of idea of what you would charge going into a project is a good thing. And there's kind of two reasons why. Number one is giving potential buyers a lot of time to think about you and get other quotes and do things like that before you even give them a price introduces some uh, unnecessary potential for things to go wrong. It sounds like you're pulling a Mark Cuban. 
Um, Every no. time on Shark Tank, Mark Cuban's like, I'll do that deal right now, but you can't talk to anybody else. Get a, I need a decision. Look me in the eye. Don't even look over there to Barbara. Don't but look we to Barbara. But we our, love Barbara. We do love Barbara. Um, but what I'm saying is if you came to me and said, hey, how much is it going to cost to make this EP? I have six songs I want to record. Yeah. And I said, let me think about that. I'm more of a four-song EP kind of guy. Four songs, right? Sure. And I say, let me think about that and get back to you. If it takes me five days to get back to you because I have to do these formulas and I'm asking, you know, hey, what do you think I should charge this guy? Eventually, you might just say, this took forever. You That gives you time to go talk to 10 other people. And if they've all given you rates, you might have already signed a contract with one of them to do the work before I even get back to you. That's true. So if you're on that phone call and you can say, well, you know, Depending on what it's going to take, I usually charge between eight hundred and a thousand dollars a song, um, and it might be a little well, I'll more. I'll take the eight hundred dollar rate, please. Right, you know, but you're you're throwing in some numbers early in the conversation. Sounds good. I think that's a good thing. The second reason is it just seems unprofessional to dance around the subject when it comes to price. Oof, yeah, it does. Like if someone just seems like they're scared to actually tell you how much it costs, you're going to start wondering like, are they trying to rip me off? Are they trying to? suss me out and see how much they can take advantage of you know what might be in my bank account yeah or are they trying to lowball me to get this work but they don't know if they should do that or not Mm -hmm. you know just having a solid answer this is what it's going to cost or this is what's going to cost per day or per hour whatever it is have that figured out before you get into negotiations and what one of the challenging things is for a lot of what we do the listeners of this here podcast, the pricing structure is endlessly scalable. Like if you're painting a mural, you can use the cheapest paint or you could use like gold foil. Right. And it's like, okay, literally that eight by eight wall right there, I could paint it for $500 or I could paint it for Mm $50,000. Tell me what you want to spend. Right. So in that case, like what, how, how do we have those conversations with, uh, if we're doing commission work with potential clients or if we're selling our art with potential buyers? Well, one thing that you can do is have kind of that mid-level package. So like, let's say you have a preferred paint that you like, it's not gold foil, but you know that your base rate for an 8x8 wall is going to be $500 using the paint that they sell at the store that you like. So you're not using Krylon spray cans from Walmart, but you know it's going to come out professional. It's going to look good. And then from there, you can say, that's my price. I do have options that include this, this, and this. If you want to talk extras, if you want to use you know 3D, whatever. Ooh. If you want to add some, uh, some lights to the project, that's something I can do. But give them a baseline idea of what you would charge for just like a good standard package with the materials that you like that look professional. Yeah. And and we do this a lot for the work that we do is we say, okay, here's how much, like a lot of times somebody will hire us and they'll ask us for concepts for a particular location or something like that. And so we're creating these large scale art installations for those. And we'll come in and we'll say, here are three ideas. This one's probably going to be the most affordable. This one is probably going to be the most expensive. This one's somewhere in the middle and all of these, even within the context of their own pricing ranges, have some sort of variability because of the materials we're going to use or the scale of what is going to 
be be brought to the table. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good way to do it. But yep. I'll also say that sometimes that leads to just choice paralysis. Right. And we end up making the choice for them, which is also okay. Yeah. No, that's something that you'll feel out over time and you'll start to recognize which clients are which. Number two, and this one is going to be unpopular with certain hosts of this oh. podcast. Um, but Unpopularize be, <laughs> me. Go. Um, be someone who's on top of communications. Um, if Am I you, supposed to make a joke right here? Well, there's a part about email inboxes that we don't oh, need to get okay. to yet. But if you're someone who takes forever to reply to emails, texts, and messages, you might be leaving more work than you would ever expect on the table. And one way to mitigate that is recognizing... Hire an assistant. <laughs> recognizing which types of communication you are the worst at. For example, if someone DMs me on Instagram, I'm probably not going to see it right away and I might that might get lost in the shuffle because you're getting a bunch of nonsense in there. People are liking your story and saying, "Where'd you get those shoes?" you know. Did you know that the notifications for likes is in a different tab now than it messages? Is. Yeah. Okay. But uh but you know, so if someone DMs me, yeah, on Instagram, "Hey, can you want to work on a project?" Uh-huh. My move is say, hey, that sounds awesome. I would love to. What is your email? Let me send you an email. So I'm not saying email me. I'd be like, never mind. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> different strokes, different folks. But if I'm going to let an Instagram message sit there and rot versus move it to an email, I'm going to move it to an email. Okay. If your email inbox is a mess, this is where you come in. What do you mean by mess? How many unread? I don't know. Like... Okay, hold on. I have three primary email accounts. I'm pulling them up right now. One of them has 2,066 unread <laughs> emails. One of them has 11,225 unread, unread emails. And one of them has 3,288 unread emails. Okay. You want to know how many I have? Zero. Zero, All right. Yeah, Which good is for like you. what it, you know, it is what Does it is. Does that mean you've given time to like the amazon uh receipt email no what it is is i've implemented a system where i don't get that many emails so have you heard of unroll me yes so that's something that i've used it's unroll.me and what you can do with that is automatically unsubscribe from all kinds of sales emails and mailing lists but the ones you want to keep you can have it compile them into like one big newsletter that you get every day so, like, there's some brands that maybe I want to know when there's a 20% off sale or I want to know when they make a new grill or whatever. Those mailing lists I put in that newsletter and I just get one every day. So, that helps keep my inbox cleared out. So, if I have an important email sitting in there, when I log in, it's on the front page. I just need to know when good emails come through. Is there an app that just knows <laughs> what I think is a good email and tells me when it's here? Not yet. So And, and it doesn't even need to tell me when it's here. It just needs to, like... Send me a DM on Instagram that says, hey, there's an email that could potentially result in a $65,000 uh, commission. So here's what we'll do. I'll DM you on Instagram and you email me back and we'll just work that way. It'll be like a dance. Cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so w figure out your communication, whatever that means for you. Figure it out. Find a good way to stay on top of it. You don't want to leave work sitting in your inbox. No. I, I actually do want to leave work sitting in my inbox, but go ahead. 
Um, well, oh, you mean work like paying jobs? Paying jobs. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like work. No, got it. Okay, onward uh, and onward to number three, the last one. What are we even talking about? Number three, what? Closing deals. Okay, how to close deals? Number three, make sure you have the skills or the network to deliver a complete product. Uh, and I'll give an example because every medium and every type of art is going to have a different idea of what complete looks like. But I'll just say this much. I'm a musician. I've done a lot of gigs. I also... I've own, been to several. I own a PA. Okay. Right? And I know enough people that can run sound to find a sound guy. Does so, that mean you're going to start a sound company? It doesn't. Okay. But I'll say this much. If I'm a great, if I was the greatest musician that ever lived and I didn't own a PA, I didn't know a sound guy and you want to hire me to do a gig, I say, great, I charge this much for a gig. Also, you're going to need to rent a PA and you're going to need to hire a sound guy and you're going to need to hire someone to bring lights, all that nonsense, right? And then I go, hey, I can do the gig for X, Y, Z dollars. I have a PA, I have lights, I have this, don't worry about it. I can show up, set all that we up. We call that turnkey. Right. That is going to book you way more gigs than if you reply, sounds great, please rent a PA for me. <laughs> so uh, whatever that means for you as an artist, if you're a, let's say you design posters for, you know, whatever it is. If you own a poster printer and you can hand them the physical posters and you don't go, okay, here's your art, but you need to get quotes from xyz printers like or uh, i know someone who can put this design on your thing whatever it is just having a complete package so that when someone tries to book you for your art you're not sending them on a wild goose chase to get quotes from all these other service providers that's something that can get you deals done quicker with a lot less headaches and people are going to appreciate you for it and they're going to remember that when they go, oh, he brought his own PA and his own sound guy. And I just paid him a thousand bucks to show up and do the gig. And I didn't have to get quotes from PA companies. Those kind of things are huge. And I think it's important to note, you said, make sure you have the skills or network to deliver, deliver a clean, complete product. The more I've lived, the fewer things I want to do. I don't want to haul sound. I intentionally got rid of my SUV so I didn't have to carry it around. But I have done the latter, which is... In everything that we make, I cannot do most of what it is that is required in order to do that thing, but I've gotten good at having friends. Right. <laughs> I mean, imagine, like, we we put on a holiday event, Dazzling Nights, at Botanical Gardens. Yeah. Imagine if a Botanical Garden said, hey, can you design a show for our Botanical Garden? And you sent them a PDF with 50 pieces of design. And then you said, here you go, money, please. They're not going to be like, great, we're so excited for this event. Because they need manufacturing, installation. To make yeah, exactly. Right. And if they have to go do all that legwork, they're not going to be excited about and in the hiring same, you. And in the same way, I have gotten rid of my SUV so I don't have to haul stuff. I have also made a commitment to not hold a drill. <laughs> Ta -da. I have put a drill bit through my thumbnail too many times. To continue to want to do that. Understandable. <laughs> so yeah, if whether or not it's something you're going to do, just have a sound guy on speed dial. Yeah. You know? And he's going to be so grateful for that. Oh, he's going to love you for it. Yeah. So those are three ways. We'll go over them quickly again because I have a lot of details. But uh, understand your pricing model. 
be someone who's on top of communication and make sure you have the skills or network to deliver a complete product or equipment. That's so helpful, Nathan. Nathan. Not your name. Not sure (laughs) who Nathan is, but thank you, Adam. You're welcome. Uh, So yeah, get out there, close some deals, sell some art, sell some shows. We'll see you next week. Bye.